Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. All of the latest news from J2 and J3 is coming your way shortly, as usual. I'm John Steele, and in the first part of the pod this week, James Taylor and I are going to run you through all of the action from a dramatic final day of the regular J2 season, round 42. Um, I'll take care of the automatic promotion battle and some of the other games, uh, and then in a moment I'll hand you over to James. He's got the uh, playoff tussle uh, and the rest of the round 42 games for you. Without further ado, we have to start with the incredible scenes at Kanseki Stadium, I think, as Jubilo Iwata came from behind to beat Tochigi 2-1. Coupled with Shimizu Espulse's draw at Mito, this was enough to see Iwata clinch second place and automatic promotion. They returned to J1 after just one season away. The teams traded chances early on in this game, and Iwata almost went in front when Hiroki Yamada sent Dudu racing clean through. Dudu was well stopped by Kazuki Fujita in the Tochigi goal. And it was the home side, Tochigi, who took the lead with a brilliant strike in the 24th minute. A deep cross from the Tochigi right from Kenta Fukumori was chested down on the edge of the penalty area by Koki Oshima, and then he lashed the ball past a startled Ryuki Mura and into the roof of the net from about 16 yards. An absolutely stunning goal, and Tochigi 1-0 up. Iwata battled back and levelled four minutes before the break. After a short corner routine, Dudu tried his luck from about 30 yards and his shot took a big deflection off Ismaila, a Nigerian forward at Tochigi, on its way into the net. So 1-1 at the break and Iwata's dramatic winner came just after the hour. Dudu played in Komatsubara just inside the Tochigi penalty area on the Iwata left and he crossed for Masaya Matsumoto to head down and inside the post from the penalty spot for 2-1. So a triumph for Iwata and coach Akinobu Yokuchi as Iwata are back in J1 after just a year away. They finished level on points with third place Tokyo Verdi but ahead on goal difference, uh, four goals better off in that category and a point ahead of prefectural rivals Shimizu which uh, will make things extra sweet for them I think and congratulations to everyone at Iwata, fantastic season uh, with a, a stunning finish. Tochigi, meanwhile, finished 19th, and it's been announced that their manager, Yu Tokisaki, is leaving the club, so uh, big changes might be afoot for them uh, this winter. Meanwhile, Shimizu started the day in second place, but lost their grip on automatic promotion after only managing to draw 1-1 away at Mito, as mentioned already. In a goalless first half, Shimizu looked quite nervous and allowed Mito to have the better of the chances, but there were no goals at half-time, and Shimizu nearly went ahead on the hour when Mito's keeper Rui Yamaguchi had to make a flying save from a Teruki Hara header. Almost immediately after that, Mito went in front after a mistake in the Shimizu defence. Centre-back Yuji Takahashi was much too casual playing the ball out from the back. He passed too close to Mito's Fumiya Sugiura and uh, Sugiura in possession down the Mito left crossed into the penalty area and it was an inch-perfect delivery for the onrushing Mizuki Ando who headed in to make it Mito 1, Shimizu 0. Of course, Shimizu had to win this game, uh, knowing that Iwata were in front uh, away at Tochigi, and they responded with an equaliser nine minutes from full time, Thiago Santana heading in a left wing cross from Rayon Yamahara. After that, it was kitchen sink time for Shimizu as they piled forward to try and get a winning goal, but there was no fairy tale finish for them. The closest they came was an agonising miss from Benjamin Kololi, who blazed over the bar from the edge of the six yard box. I think that's a, 
a moment that's going to haunt him and Shimizu if they fail in the playoffs. So eventually it finished Mito 1, Shimizu 1. Shimizu end up in 4th place after starting the day in 2nd. They end the season a point behind Iwata and Tokyo Verdi uh, with 74. Uh, So they'll go into the playoffs. Mito finish in 17th. Tokyo Verdi did everything they could to try and snatch second place on the day, winning 2-0 away at Omiya, with both goals coming in the second half. Omiya nearly took the lead early on when Seiya Nakano just couldn't connect with a bouncing ball on the edge of the six-yard box. Meanwhile, at the other end, ex-Omiya defender Kohei Yamakoshi should have scored, but headed over the bar from close range. Verdi eventually went in front in the 63rd minute when they broke up an Omiya attack midway inside their own half. A well-executed counter-attack ended with Koki Morita crossing low from the Verdi right and Yuto Tsunashima tapping in to make it 1-0. With 12 minutes to go, Verdi added a beautiful second goal, Hikaru Nakahara coming inside from the right flank and bending a low 25-yard shot into the bottom corner past the despairing dive of Omiya goalkeeper Yuta Minami, a veteran who is retiring from J-League duty after this game. So that's how it finished, Omiya nil, Tokyo Verdi 2. Despite their best efforts, Verdi end up in third. Level on points with Iwata, but just four points behind on goal difference, as mentioned. So we're very, very close to automatic promotion, but they uh, go into the playoffs. A pretty incredible season for Hiroshi Jofuku's men, all told. Omiya, meanwhile, uh, finished second bottom. Uh, That was uh, already known in advance of the game. They'll only avoid relegation to J3 if FC Osaka managed to finish second in the third tier this season. That looks very unlikely as FC Osaka are six points off second place with three rounds to go. So uh, yeah, uh, it looks pretty likely that Omiya are going to be in J3 for next year. In other games, champions Machida waved goodbye to J2 with an easy win at a ragged looking Sendai. It finished Sendai 1, Machida 3. No goals in the first half. But then an own goal from Sendai captain Yuta Koide gave Machida the lead right after half-time. Sendai's season really distilled into one moment as he somehow managed to slice Junya Suzuki's cross into his own net via the inside of the post. Eight minutes later, it was 2-0. A fast Machida break led to Shunta Araki crossing from the left. Sendai couldn't clear and the ball dropped kindly for Mitch Duke to lash in from around 12 yards. To give Sendai some credit, they did respond and pulled a goal back on 66 minutes after a short corner routine. A lovely right-wing cross from Chihiro Kato was glanced in expertly by Ryunosuke Sugawana, the rookie forward who's been one of the uh, bright spots of a, a terrible season for Sendai, really. Sendai, though, uh, had run out of steam already before this game, I think, and this was illustrated by the third goal that they conceded right at the death, with two defenders appealing for offside. Adam Ilson latched onto a headed clearance and then calmly beat goalkeeper Akihiro Hayashi for 3 1. Uh, Adam Ilson had been played onside by Sendai defender Kim Tehon in the right back position, so the, the, the back line or the back three uh, all over the shop. And it finished Sendai 1, Machida 3. That means that Champions Machida finished the season 12 points clear at the top. Uh, you can't really argue with, with that. Sendai finished 16th. Uh, disappointing stuff from them. And uh, they've already announced that they'll be parting company with their coach, Takafumi Hori. So they'll be under new management uh, as they look to rebuild for next season. At Soyu Stadium, Tokushima Vortis grabbed a point against Blaublitz Akita thanks to a penalty from Kaito Mori right at the death in the 94th minute. Tokushima had threatened to go in front in the first half here when Koki Sugimori rattled the Akita crossbar from the edge of the six-yard box. 
but it was the home side who went in front right after half-time thanks to an own goal. Tokushima defender Kodai Mori got the last touch on an Akita corner, taking the ball past his own goalkeeper Hayate Tanaka, and then the hosts missed a golden chance to seal the win late on when Yukihito Kajia teed up Yosuke Mikami. Mikami should have scored, but placed his shot too close to the goalkeeper. It was announced after the game that Mikami's contract is not being renewed at Akita for next season. Hopefully that's just a coincidence and he's not being punished too harshly for one missed opportunity. And that set up a dramatic finish, as Tokushima were awarded a pretty soft penalty at the end. Akita's Ryuji Saito was penalised for kicking Kaito Mori inside the penalty area, but he was really just following through after making a clearance, so um, I think it seemed a bit of a harsh decision. Uh, the telltale sign that this might have been a, a dodgy call was that there was no replay of the penalty incident in the DAZN highlights package, but a penalty was awarded, uh, and after an emphatic finish from Kaito Mori, uh, that earned the visitors a share of the spoils. It finished Akita 1, Tokushima 1. Akita finished the season 13th. I think they'll be pretty happy with that. It's been announced that Ken Yoshida, the manager, will be back for next season as well. Tokushima end 15th, which, considering the dreadful start they had, they might be uh, quietly satisfied with. Uh, they'll look to build again for a playoff push for next season. Alright, I think that's all for me for the first half of the J to Roundup, but please stay tuned. In a moment, uh, James Taylor will be with you. He has the rest of the games, including the Titanic tussle for the last remaining playoff place. Thanks, John. James Taylor here with the rest of the action from the final day. Seventh played sixth at the MD Soft Stadium as Montedio Yamagata took on Van Fure Kofu. After a goalless first half, Kofu's Kazushi Mitsuhira was brought down by Yamagata keeper Masaki Goto, and a penalty was awarded. Quite harshly, in my opinion, but Cristiano smashed home the penalty, and so with 27 minutes left, Kofu had one foot in the playoffs. But in the 81st minute, Yamagata's Masahito Ono was fouled in the area for a penalty, which Ten Miyagi scored to make it 1-1. Both teams knew a draw would leave them vulnerable to being overtaken by Vivara Nagasaki, who at that point were indeed winning their match, as you'll hear in a moment. As the game in Yamagata entered stoppage time, a Montedio attack broke down in midfield, and Kofu countered, but Peter Utaka's shot was blocked, and Yamagata were able to mount a counter-attack of their own, which ended with Shuto Minami's squared ball being hit into the roof of the net by Della Torre. Final score, Yamagata 2, Kofu 1. Kofu miss out on the playoffs, finishing 8th, while Yamagata finished 5th, above Jeff United Chiba, who went down 3-1 at home to Nagasaki. Things started well for Jeff, as Tomoya Miki put them ahead in the 12th minute, heading in a corner from close range, Nagasaki, knowing only a win would give them any chance of making the playoffs, drew level nine minutes later through Takashi Sawada's cool finish after getting behind the defence. 1-1 at half-time then, and at that stage league positions were unchanged. Then, three minutes after Kofu had gone in front at Yamagata, Nagasaki's Juanma Delgado got his 26th of the season to edge his side ahead and keep hope alive. This one from the penalty spot after a foul by Daisuke Suzuki. And, just as Miyagi equalised for Yamagata, Nagasaki extended their lead, a long ball over the top that Asahi Masuyama managed to poke between Suzuki and his keeper. At this point, with eight minutes left, Nagasaki were in sixth, but Delatore's winner in the other game meant that this 3-1 win was in vain. Nagasaki end the season in seventh, while Jeff drop a place to sixth. There were top half finishes for Oita Trinita and Zaspa Kasatsugumma, who met at the Rezanak Dome. Oita Shun Nagasawa, hit the bar in the sixth minute, and Gumma's Masatoshi Kushibiki was at full stretch to save, well, six minutes later. 
Nagasawa headed Oita into the lead after 24 minutes as Kushibiki was caught in two mines, overcoming for the cross and ended up stranded. Arata Watanabe hit the post for Oita in the 35th minute as the home side kept Gumma pinned back, and the pressure paid off when Masaki Yumiba converted a rebound two minutes later to make it 2-0 at half-time. Gumma got on the score sheet 20 minutes into the second half with a penalty for handball scored by Shuto Kitagawa, and he forced a good save later on as Gumma looked for an equaliser that never came. Final score Oita 2, Gumma 1, which means a ninth place finish for Oita, whose manager Takahiro Shimotaira is leaving the club, and an impressive 11th place for Gumma. Between them in 10th is Fajiano Okayama, who drew 1-1 away to bottom club Degen Kanazawa. Okayama gifted Kanazawa the lead in the 12th minute, a misplaced back pass going straight to Masamichi Hayashi, who gratefully tucked away his 7th goal of the season, and first for three and a half months. Ryo Nagai got the equaliser in the 28th minute, feinting to go in front of Taiga Son, but then going behind him and sticking out a leg to convert a cross. Kanazawa looked more likely to get a winner, as Taiki Kato had several near misses, but it ended in a draw. Okayama finished the season with a six-game winless streak. Kanazawa's winless streak is 13. Russell Kumamoto finished the season on a high, seeing off Renofo Yamaguchi 3-1. There was plenty of early action in this one, and Taiyo Igarashi scored first for Yamaguchi in the sixth minute, poking home from 10 yards after a shot deflected into his path. The lead lasted just a couple of minutes before Shuhei Kamimura scored from a corner to make it 1-1. Kumamoto then went ahead in the 17th minute, Shun Ito beating the keeper when one-on-one. The third goal came in the 83rd minute, Tatsuki Higashiyama finishing after poor Yamaguchi defending. Kumamoto in the season in 14th, Yamaguchi in 20th. It was announced on Monday that manager Juan Esnaida will be leaving the club. And finally, Fujieda Mai FC and Iwaki FC finished the season as they started, with a goal fest. There was only one goal in the first half, and it was Iwaki's Yasuhito Kondo who scored it, heading in across from the right in the 13th minute, a move that started with the keeper. Fujieda's disciplinary troubles continued here, as Anderson was sent off for a two-footed studs-up tackle from behind in the centre circle in the 38th minute. Only one foot actually made contact with his victim, but it was still dangerous. The goals started flying in after the break. First, Kondo got his and Iwaki's second in the 52nd minute, a tap-in after Daiki Yamaguchi intercepted a pass in the Fujieda defence. Ken Yamura halved the deficit in the 59th minute, a penalty after he was fouled. Yamaguchi restored Iwaki's two-goal lead in the 80th minute, again intercepting a pass in the Fujieda defence, but this time shooting from the edge of the D. Three minutes later, Iwaki got a fortunate fourth, the sort of goal that you'll see regularly if you follow crap 90s football on Twitter. Several Iwaki players falling over and scuffing shots in the area, and a Fujieda defender's attempted hoof clear, being blocked by Sota Nagai and straight past the helpless keeper. Kota Osane got a second for Fujieda in the 90th minute, hassling several Iwaki defenders and winning the ball before curling a shot past the keeper. Final score, Fujieda 2, Iwaki 4. Fujieda finished their first year in J2 in an impressive 12th. Iwaki's debut in the second tier sees them finish 18th. Successful seasons for both clubs. That's the final roundup done. I'll be back in a moment to talk to John about promotion and the playoffs. J-talk, extra time. 
Hi everyone, welcome back. John Steele here for some uh, J2 chat and there are a lot of things to chat about uh, in uh, this part of the show this week. James Taylor's with me as ever to uh, to try and make sense of uh, an absolutely bonkers final day of the regular season. James, how are you doing and have you recovered from uh, from Sunday's uh, carnage? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, John. I just about recovered. Um, it was very entertaining. And even the uh, the games that were, were not really... Uh, well, that we thought were dead rubbers were actually really entertaining as well. Um, massive crowds across the across the games throughout throughout J two for for a second week in a row, maybe the third week in a row. It's really good to see. Um, a bit concerned that you and Ben and Johnny massively bigged up this episode of JTet on Big Pod, so I've been in a bit of pressure, but uh, going to do my best. Well, How yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just recovering from the weekend and the, the kind of a moonlighting on, on, on the big pod, the, uh, the OG J Talk podcast as well. Yeah, they, um, I was just swept along with the hype train there that they, they generated. So, um, yeah, let's, let's hope we don't, we don't let anybody down over the next uh, thirty minutes, um, or so. But yes, yeah. Let, let's get into it, James, because like you said, it was a day of bumper crowds and uh, plenty of drama. Surely the, the best uh, sort of final day. That J two has produced um, for my money it almost made me feel sad that we're we're going down to twenty teams for next season rather than twenty two. Mm. But then I remembered that we have to talk about all these games, and I kind of perked up a little bit. And twenty teams <laughs> sounded good again. But um, yeah, sh- should we um, first of all, the, the, I think the only place we can start is at the very top of the mm. table, James. We, we're going to look at some of the the key games from round forty two in the order that teams started the match day, right? So Sunday morning. Yeah. So let's let's talk first of all about Shimizu. S-Pulse, their game away at Mito finished 1-1, which meant that they lost their grip on second place. They they started the day in the automatic promotion places, and because they didn't win here, uh, they ended up fourth and uh, going into the playoffs, although they will have a home game in the playoffs, as we'll discuss later. Um, James, what did you make of this game? It was uh, a, a bit of a sickening finish to the season for, for Shimizu in the end. Yeah, well, it was uh, yeah. Good Mito made a, a, an appearance for the first time in quite a while, and I can imagine that Shimizu supporters will be quite annoyed at them for deciding to show up after not bothering last week against Iwata and getting thrashed five nil. But Shimizu had more than enough chances to win this one, and uh, they didn't take them, which is uh, unlike them, really, because as we know, they've had the best attack and been fairly free scoring throughout the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I saw on the highlights of this one, a, a few they had some good chances they kind of snatched at, or they think, oh, if it had fallen to someone else, they would have taken it. But yeah, it didn't didn't work out for them. I suppose you've got to give credit to Mito. They took their pretty much their one chance. Um, they took advantage of a I think it was a mistake in in, in the Shimizu defence and a good finish from Ando from a good cross. And yeah, I think. It's interesting, right? Now, Shimizu, they were, they were in second for, for a long time. And just like that, they've dropped to fourth. And I think, I mean, this is something we'll come on to in, in, a, in a few weeks when we do our season reviews. But you've got to, at the moment, you've been considering that a failure, really. A team of that, or that club with that squad, um, those that, that, that amount of fans and, 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 and all of that stuff that comes with it should be should be getting promoted automatically mm. and they might not make it out of the division so yeah it's going to mm. be uh, kind of a nervy few weeks for them i think what, yeah. what did you think about this one 
Yeah, no, I think that's all very fair comments, and we we should uh, we should give some credit to uh, Mito because they easily could have just kind of rolled over and not been bothered. I actually thought they really took the game to Shimizu in the first half. I, I don't know how much of that was nerves on Shimizu's part, but most of the highlights from the first half are all kind of Mito chances. Um, if you watch the DAZN highlights and uh, yeah we should also uh, shout out for the goal it was a good header from Ando but Sugiura's cross was uh, fantastic because uh, not only did Ando not have to jump for his header he didn't even have to break stride you know so it was perfectly yeah. timed in terms of you know uh, height and and weight on the ball brilliant brilliant cross uh, albeit coming from a Shimizu kind of cock up uh, being overly casual at the back. Yeah, and when the full-time whistle went, um, Shimizu's players and the manager, Aki particularly, looked absolutely shattered um, on the yeah. touchline. So I know we do have, there's a, there's a two going to be a two-week break uh, before the, the semi-finals or the playoffs roll around. So there's plenty of time maybe to um, to sort of put that behind them and get on with things. But it's, it is a truism, isn't it? In the playoffs, generally the, t- the team that kind of goes into the playoffs without the momentum having sort of, you know, missed out on automatic promotion tends to do badly and a, a team that's kind of sneaked into sixth place on the last day tends to have their, their tails up and perhaps we will talk about a team like that uh, in a few minutes um, I suppose in terms of chances right at the end Benjamin uh, Kololi uh, yeah, might be not well. not sleeping particularly well at the, mm-hmm. the last few days because he just blazed over from the edge of the six yard box when um, just slightly less power um, you know, I don't want to sound like Michael Owen or anything, but if he, he just he just hit it too well, you know, to just caught the ball with too much power, and it, it, it ended up being pumped pumped over the, the crossbar. Yeah. You know, if that had hit hit the underside of the crossbar, it would have gone in. And uh, I think he snatched he snatched to that, didn't he? If he'd waited until it come a little bit further past him, mm. he would have been able to get it on target. But he tried to do it too quickly, and it. it, it that's why it went wide, I think. Yeah, I think panic panic was setting in at that point, wasn't it? And it, it is kind of, in a way, ironic and, again, something for the season review pods, but Shimizu have sort of been free-scoring pretty much all season. Uh, once, once Akiba took over as, as manager and uh, for, the, for, the, for the want of one goal, you know, they've lost out on automatic promotion and gone to the playoffs. I think they're the second highest scoring team, aren't they, apart from Machida? Over the yeah. over the forty two game season, so just you know if they they beat instead of just beating a few teams, I mean scored fourteen or fifteen goals against Iwaki, if they could have just saved one, <laughs> saved one for <laughs> Sunday, they'd be they'd be celebrating a a swift return to to J one. But um, that is football, James. That's why we we love it so much, even though it's probably a painful uh, painful uh, moment in time for Shimizu. Uh, at this point and uh, something which wouldn't help uh, probably is there uh, when we talk about the uh, the next game uh, Tochigi 1 Iwata 2 so this is the match that saw Shimizu's prefectural uh, rivals and uh, you know Derby Derby uh, nemesis uh, Iwata snatch that second automatic promotion place and go go back up to J1 incredible scenes at Kanseki Stadium with James Iwata came back from a goal down to win this match, um, what did you make of this game? It was a pretty pretty good value in terms of drama, I thought. Yeah, well, they're like yeah, it's pretty pretty sickening for Shimizu. Not only did they only draw with Mito, who last week lost to Iwata, but then they got pipped to promotion by Iwata, who are their big rivals. Mm. Um, it was a good comeback from Iwata. Congratulations to them. They 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 finished second. They deserved it. Well done. Um, I thought Tochigi played quite well. From what I saw of the the highlights, the goal was excellent. That was a really nice goal. Uh, really good cross, great chest control, brilliant strike. And um, Fujita in goal as well. He's been very impressive this year. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him. He's on loan, isn't he? What, may go back or, or, or move to perhaps a slightly 
bigger club. Mm. Yeah, I think he's he's earned earned a shot with his performances this year. Um, for Iwata uh, Dudu, he scored a few from that area of the pitch, isn't he? That sort of um, diagonally, like 25, 30 yards out mm. from goal. He's not he's not afraid to uh, have a go, is he? Mm. And yeah, and it, it's worked quite well for him this year. And uh, yeah, this uh, I think you know his last game for for Tochigi's manager um, Tokisaki. He's 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 leaving. So I guess you know the players wanted to put in a good performance for him, and they did. And unfortunately, they weren't able to win. But yeah, Iwata were, were good value for the win on this one, I think, and good value for promotion as well in the end. Um, what did you think about about this? And I, I heard some of your thoughts about Iwata more generally uh, of Big Pod. But um, go mm. on, go, what, what, what did you make of this one? Uh, yeah, at the risk of uh, copying and pasting for, from the Big Pod. <laughs> so, but apologies if listeners feel this is sort of recycling old material to you know saying the same thing twice in three days. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you can be good if a team finishes second after forty two rounds. They probably deserve to be there. So we, we mm. can't be good, Iwata. I think it's an absolutely incredible achievement for Akinobu uh, Yokuchi, the coach, when you consider that they've had issues with you know not being able to bring any players in um, mm-hmm. all, all season because their transfer uh, embargo. And then even in this game, obviously, Keisuke Goto is a, a rising star, but I think he's still 18 or 19. He was the, the only striker starting this game. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it, That's a pretty ballsy thing to have a must-win game and start with an 18-year-old. And I think they... Uh, yeah, he's not. He's not been afraid to make big calls. You know, he's been rewarded for being brave. Mm. I think with team selection at, at times. So yeah, it's an absolute triumph for, for Iwata, and it's not the easiest thing in the world to to, to come straight back to J one right after one year one year away. Um, so uh, yeah, fair, fair play to them. I think uh, I think they've done uh, better than I expected, and, and better than better than a lot yeah. of people expected. Um, yeah, you, you're right mm. to mention that goal that opened the scoring from Kokioshima. What a hit that was! Um, mm. I think just like uh, Mito, you know, Tochigi really turned up for this game. Um, yeah. Whether that's that they wanted to give their departing manager Yutokisaki a good send off, or um, just just you know playing for their own lot of players, perhaps playing for their own contracts or their own futures as well. Um, mm. But it was a really really good performance from them. I think they're a bit unlucky not to get anything. But um, yeah, Iwatawa Iwata were just a bit too good too good on the day, and and they got the three points, and they will be. Uh, back in J1 uh, for next season, which is, uh, yeah, pretty incredible, incredible stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how they're going. I still think they need quite a big overhaul in terms of players. Uh, just just d- dipping into my pot of uh, renter quotes from, from the big pod this week. But, hmm. um, yeah, I, I did I did read uh, the, the hot news story uh, this week is that Keisuke Goto has already been targeted by the Anderlecht. Yeah, um, for a move. Rumors about that for a while. Uh, yeah, and I think it's possibly something we should say for another time, James. But we are starting to potentially be losing players earlier and earlier, aren't we? I mean, we, we normally get the youngsters for a year or two uh, mm. to enjoy before they go up to J one, and then we get to enjoy them for another year or two, and then they get they get sort of snatched away to Europe. But we're almost like uh, it's not quite cradle snatching, I suppose, if he's eighteen or nineteen. But it's not far off. He's. Uh, I thought we'd get to enjoy his development for a while, uh, a while mm. yet. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that develops. But yeah, we I think can only say can only say congratulations to Iwata. I didn't really fancy them to finish in the top two. Um, I didn't no. actually check before the pod because I didn't have time this week. But I'm not sure how long they spent this season in the top two. They can't have been in the top two very much. 
Uh, right, it's been Machida plus one all season, hasn't it? And that was usually Verdi or Shimizu. Yeah. So um, yeah, they've do- they've done incredibly well to kind of sneak, almost sneak in there, uh, so- sort of under the radar. If you can finish second whilst going under the radar, so yeah, really, really, uh, really, really fantastic uh, end to the season for them. And uh, yeah, you can't say they don't deserve it. I suppose after after the forty two game uh, marathon. Uh, I think you could also make a case, uh, James, at Tokyo Verdi um, might have sort of almost deserved second place. They they weren't able to snatch it in the end, although they did everything that they could. We'll we'll move on to their game now. Uh, Verdi ended up winning two nil away at uh, Omiya with both goals coming in the second half. So uh, I think Verdi uh, understood the assignment, James. They knew they had to win and hope that kind of other results went their way, and it didn't happen. But they have ended up finishing third. Uh, on the same points as Iwata and only four goals worse off on goal difference. Mm. Um, considering how um, pessimistic I was about them at the start of the season, um, mm. I'm starting to feel like Yokuchi will be my manager of the season, but Jofuku might be joint or at least you know very close second um, for, for the way he's got them playing. And of course, this win means they go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. Um, how did you see this game? It was uh, Omiya nil, Tokyo Verdi 2 in the end. Yeah, well, I think um, there are quite a few candidates for manager of the season, and yeah, Jofuku is definitely one of them. Um, uh, I don't think anyone was expecting Verdi to to miss miss out on automatic promotion on goal difference. And you mentioned just now when you're talking about Shimizu about you know teams with momentum going into the playoffs. Well, Verdi are, are one of those teams. They they haven't lost for a while. Um, and I think they, yeah, yeah, you said they understood the assignment. They, I think when you're playing Omiya, you, you, you know that they're going to come at you early and create chances. But if they don't take them, then Omiya are there for the taking. And that's what happens here. Verdi held them off early on. Omiya didn't take their chances. And then Verdi kind of finished them off in the second half. And, uh, it ended up looking quite comfortable, really. Um, yeah, incredible to finish third with 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 such a, an inexperienced squad, and also with the kind of for a while their their attack really wasn't working, and their I think it was their home form was pretty for, poor for or, or indifferent mm. for a while, mm. but because their defence was so good and their Matthias in goal, um, who's been outstanding. They, yeah, they, they they finished third. It's amazing, and also um, some some good mid-season signings: um, Tatsuya Hasegawa and uh, Hikaru is it Hikaru Nakahara. Mm, mm. He's been excellent, mm. and um, yeah, really good to watch. And yeah, well, I know maybe they might be disappointed that they didn't finish second, but I would say congratulations on finishing third because they haven't been in the playoffs for a while. They've been uh, sort of steady. What was it twelfth, eleventh, twelfth for the last few years? So, yeah, mm. they've done all right, haven't they? Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I, I seem to remember Verdi winning one nil away at Olmia in the playoffs not too many years ago. That's probably four or five years back now. But I'm sure. I'm sure I went to the playoff semi final at, at NAC five, and, and Verdi won one nil against Olmia. Mm. Tomohiro Taira. With it, with a towering header right at the end, as I recall. But um, yeah, we. I think you're right in what you're saying. As you were speaking, James, it just got me thinking. I think both of these uh, managers, Yokuchi at Iwata and Jofuku at Verdi, they just done a really admirable job of actually coaching the team with a small mm. C. You know, because 
Yokuchi wasn't able to bring players in due to the embargo on transfers, had to work with what he's got. Um, Joe Fuku didn't have that restriction. He was able to bring players in, but he did have the, the usual Tokyo video restriction of um, you haven't got any money for players. Mm. So you have to kind of loan them or, or find players that are kind of out of favor or not, not getting a game in J1 or elsewhere in J2 and bring them in. He's done, I think, you know, you mentioned Hasegawa and, uh, and Nakahara, really, really good, really, really good pickups. And obviously losing, there was that drama, wasn't it? Losing Vasquez Viron, the kind of, uh, sorry. But Vasquez Byron, even the standout player, he was sold to match you. The um, that was when they were first and second in the table. Uh, mm. So for that to kind of not derail them, that 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 has been a non-story. But once it happened, and that blew over. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I think um, I think the thing about Tokyo Video as well is they had all that off-field drama as well. You know, with the kind of hostile takeover of the their kind of academy system from Zebio, the, the the majority shareholder, and that's just all faded into the background. And Joe Fuku's just got gone with the job of getting the team um, playing playing good football. And there is actually, despite all the sort of possibility that it could have gone very sour for Tokyo Video this season, there's a real kind of good vibe about them. Um, mm. You can see that in the stands amongst the supporters, and I think it's been announced. And ju- just to get ahead of ourselves for a moment, if if they do qualify for the final of the playoffs, it's going to be held at Kokoritsu Kyogijo in mm. Tokyo rather than Ajinomoto. So all kind of things. Um, there's just a, a, some. I feel like I'm going to deploy the word razzmatazz. Uh, mm. It just feels like things in Verdi are moving in a positive direction, and it's not that often we've been able to say that over the last you know 15 years, really. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, fair, fair, fair play, fair play, and well done to all involved. And I imagine Lewis is uh, probably uh, his hangover is just about subsided now, and uh, he's probably ready ready for another one uh, in uh, maybe ten days' time when they're when they're in the playoff semi final. So yeah, fa- fantastic stuff uh, from their point of view. And uh, Ormi, I think we've said everything that we we can possibly say. Uh, James, we yeah, we're, we're braced for a sort of worldwide shortage of poo emojis, aren't we? Um, this time but I did see on Omiya they do have this faint glimmer of hope right if FC Osaka do somehow manage to finish second in J3 that will mean a reprieve for Omiya but it seems uh, incredibly unlikely and also will be very richly undeserved Um, I just did see that one the the Omiya supporters put up that one banner that um, I think I I might be might be able to sue someone for sort of plagiarism here but it kind of said um, you know the players don't run, they don't fight, and they just play pay lip service. It's the worst team we've ever had, or you know, I'm paraphrasing, but um, yeah, I think that says it all. And twenty uh, fifth anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cop- copyright J Talk podcast. You know, like any time in the last five years, but uh, yeah. And then, did you see that they're having their supporters thanks day is coming up in a couple of weeks? It's like I mean, who who is thanking who that's there? Why, you know, who is, that's who is why kidding you need who? one of those um, Katale Toyama branded egg. Holders, yes, they take it and deploy it. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's well, move on. I, Let's I, move on. We'll be here for hours. Yeah, I, I thought they could put the players in like medieval style uh, stocks, and you could throw sort of uh, wet sponges at them, for example. But um, yeah, obviously, I'm not. I'm not in sports marketing, so I don't, I don't know what I'm talking. About. Yeah, but for, for all of my supporters, it's been a horrible season. I think re- yeah. relegation or not, they'll just be glad to see the, the back of it. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah let's uh, let's keep it positive and let's keep going, uh, James. Yeah. We uh, well, perhaps not that positive in the next uh, the next uh, game, but um, yeah, let's let's move on to the the playoff uh, kind of tussle. There, there was one playoff place up for grabs going into round forty two, and uh, yeah, Nagasaki got the win that they needed to have any chance of getting that sixth place, but they, they weren't able to do it. They uh, they ended up winning 3-1 away at Jeff Chiba, who'd already clinched a playoff place 
um, before before the game started on Sunday. So Nagasaki got the win that they had to get, but because of results elsewhere, um, they ended up uh, missing out on the playoffs and finishing seventh, just two points uh, two points shy of a playoff place in the end. Um, disappointment for, for, for Nagasaki, James. They did everything they could on the final day, I suppose. What, what did you make of this game? Jeff Chiba won, Nagasaki three. Yeah, this for, for a while Nagasaki were in, weren't they? They were in in sixth, and uh, just uh, they finally managed to string two wins together, and it's all in vain. Like, I mean, they, 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 uh, <laughs> I don't know how Daniel must be feeling, but I can imagine that he is even more frustrated than he was when you talked to him a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, for 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 Jeff's part, they really weren't at the races. Yeah, I think all three of Nagasaki's goals could be put down to poor Jeff defending uh, in various uh, fashions. You're you're kinder than me. I I've put comical for the second and the third mm-hmm. goals. Yeah, yeah. I just I mean they they weren't they weren't on it, and it might be because they already knew that they were in the playoffs, or it might be just that Nagasaki were too much for them because Nagasaki knew they had to win. Um, so I could give credit to Nagasaki for winning. They played well and they won, which is what they needed to do. Unfortunately, because they got to this stage of the season in this situation, it, it wasn't enough. Mm. But they fulfilled their part of the of the requirements on the day. And Juanma Delgado was good again. Another good goal. Uh, well, it was a penalty, but you know it, it was it was it was important. Uh, Asahi Masayama played well again. He's been been quite impressive this year. Um, and yeah, just a baffling team, Nagasaki. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand them. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, what, what about you? Yeah, I think ba- ba- baffling is a good word to describe J two in general. But I think it definitely applies to Nagasaki. It's a big winter for them now because they're moving into yeah. the new stadium. Uh, right, which looks absolutely fantastic. Um, I know, I know, Kanazawa have got their own new stadium coming online, which looks good. Uh, James, so I don't want to turn this into a kind of um, you know grass is greener situation, but Nagasaki Stadium looks fantastic too. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think they have some big calls to make. I mean, on the one hand, they finished just two points outside the playoffs. That's not too bad. Um, but the, the the preseason target was to be in the playoffs and perhaps even get promoted. Fabio Carille, the coach, hasn't quite delivered on that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they stick or twist with him. Uh, I was reading some comments from a 26 goal, uh, you know, top scorer Juanma that he's happy to stay at Nagasaki for next year. Perhaps having a brand new stadium to play in is a factor in that. But um, if a very big offer comes in for him, um, you wonder whether Nagasaki would be forced to sell or whether he would be he would be tempted to look at that. He's not the youngest player in the world, you know. Um, not mm. sure how many chances he's going to have to play in J1 uh, in his career. And, you know, it's a ge- generally true that the top scorer from J2 is playing in J1 the following year, whether either with the club that they're promoted with or they get sold. So we'll see. We'll have to watch that with interest. But, um, yeah, Nagasaki, I've kind of enjoyed watching at times. Um, but I do think, considering some of the quality in that squad, um, for example, Go Hatano was added in goal and made a massive difference to them defensively yeah. or on loan from FC Tokyo. Uh, I don't think Karile managed to get the absolute best out of that team, um, I think. I think that really 
that they should have been a bit of a stronger playoff contender than they were. They were always on the fringes. And like you said, they finally booked back-to-back wins together, but they just left themselves too much to do um, over the first sort of 40 matches. So yeah, I don't think they can feel too disappointed not to be uh, in the top six, but it'll be very interesting to see how they regroup and go again for next year. On Jeff, um, yeah, I think on the goals they conceded in this game, I think you, you're right to say they, they perhaps didn't have that pressure or clarity uh, mentally because they knew their playoff place was guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good example of how Jeff Jeff can Jeff things up. Um, even mm-hmm. even this new look kind of rugged Jeff is 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 prone to a prone to kind of reaching for that self-destruct button and then hammering it um, repeatedly. I think for the um, the second goal that Nagasaki scored, I want to point out Issei Takahashi, who's been playing at right back over the last few months by trade, is actually a defensive midfielder. So his decision to kind of dribble into his own penalty area under pressure, which led to him giving the ball away and a dice case, as you can see, in a penalty, that is something which were I an, an analyst rather than just some... Uh, you know, hairy arse chancer. I might point out he could be pressured in that position because he under under pressure players make bad selections. If you're not, he's not a kind of right back by trade. He's a, he's, a, he's used to dribbling out of trouble in the centre of the pitch a bit more. Um, I think that could be that could be a good avenue for for, for Verdi to exploit in the in the playoffs. And I think maybe for the third goal, um, Daisuke Suzuki must have still had that penalty on his mind because I don't know what such an experienced player is doing trying to like run the ball back to the goalkeeper. In that situation, why not just clear it? You, you could take possession and dribble it away. You could hoof it. Why are you? What are you actually doing? You know. And then it turned out to be a kind of comical, just sort of bobble into the net, wasn't it? Because the goalkeeper, also Suzuki, real Suzuki, did, didn't seem to be quite uh, as quick off his line as he maybe should have been. And uh, yeah, that was a very that was like a Jeff goal from yesteryear, I think. So um, even though they've sealed a, a playoff spot with a game to spare, and that's fantastic, and there are good vibes around Jeff as well. Um, I think if I was a supporter with it, a long memory, I might be thinking, "Oh God, have we are we going to start to have like defensive calamities again at just the wrong time?" So uh, yeah, something to watch out for in the in the playoff semi, I think. Um, all right, James, one one more game for us to kind of uh, wrap up with from the the the, the round forty two action. Let's talk about the team that did end up in the playoffs, and uh, it was a, a dramatic game up at the end Soft Stadium. It finished Yamagata two. Kofu won. This was a result that meant Yamagata ended up finishing in fifth place, uh, knocking Jeff down to sixth, and uh, knocking Kofu out of the playoffs uh, completely uh, as well. Um, yeah, plenty of drama in this game, obviously, with the, the winner for, for Yamagata coming in the 92nd minute. They they equalised with eight minutes to go, and then Della Torre, who's a name we haven't mentioned for, for months, uh, popped up and volleyed in in the 92nd minute. Um, James, this was, uh, this was football. It was football. Uh, it was very, very football. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that oh, Delatore he had that funny goal against Iwaki last week, didn't he? And oh then, yes, good uh, point. Yes, I'd forgotten yeah, that. Yes. But before that, he hasn't he hasn't featured much this year. I don't know if he's been injured or he's just been quiet. But it's uh, it's interesting that um, yeah, late goals from Thiago Alves and Delatore was what got them into the playoffs last year too, wasn't it? And then this year, of course, this one from Delatore was the one that killed off Nagasaki and Kofu. Mm. Um, yeah, so much late drama here. Two two penalties. I think the penalty that Kofu got, I think that was harsh. The one where, where uh, like Goto's apparent foul on Mitsuhira. I oh, thought it was an outrageous decision. Outrageous got, decision. Yeah. Mm. And yes, he also got tangled up with Mitsuhira, but that, I thought that was after he'd claimed the ball with his hands um, and then Mitsuhira fell on it or whatever. But anyway. 
Um, yeah, I think Yamagata were the better team in this one. I actually was able to watch this this whole game. I think they really took the game to Kofu, and they created more. And I think they controlled the game, although Kofu were very effective at shutting down the middle of the pitch. And so they looked to stifle Yamagata in that way and then capitalise on any like, errors in the middle. So, um, for example, when Goto would play out of... Uh, the goalie would play out of defence to, to sort of the central midfielder, the slightest... Um, bit of poor control and Kofu players would be swarming on him and they would regain possession um, but they couldn't quite do it could they they can still win the ACL though so uh, it's not over for Kofu they've still got games haven't they mm. but yeah the Amagata you meant, uh, we talked about form teams the Amagata are the form team in the playoffs aren't they mm. That's right. Yeah, five five straight wins, and no, no one's really going to be looking forward to uh, to playing against them, are they? And I think it's just that interesting, and we'll, we'll perhaps talk about the playoff games in a minute. But you know, Shimizu Yamagata in the playoffs on paper, it's a you know Shimizu will be going through, but they are shattered after that, you know, dropping out of the top two on the mm-hmm. last day. Whereas Yamagata uh, cock a hoop and uh, got their tails up, haven't they? So yeah, that that mm-hmm. could make a difference. Um, on the penalty decisions, yeah, I totally agree with you, and I'd go further, James. I thought Masaki Goto has done absolutely everything right in that situation. Mm. He's jockeyed, jockeyed Mitsuhira and stayed on his feet as long as he can, and then when he can't stay on his feet any longer, he's gone in with his hands and taken the ball away. What What is he supposed to do um, to avoid yeah. giving away a penalty in that situation? And the referee seems to be saying he's fouled um, Mitsuhira, but I don't, I don't, I don't see how... Um, how he's done it so um, yeah it was, it was a good penalty from Cristiano to score in the end and mm. I got that feeling the referee knew he'd messed up because I also thought the penalty that Yamagata got was a bit soft um, mm. I know there was some contact but I'm not sure how much of an actual and it was a bit of a bit of a soft call I think that one mm. so two, two, a soft penalty each is probably fair enough uh, in the end and then, uh, yeah, Yamagata just kept pushing and pushing, like you said, and uh, Kofu kind of wilted. And, um, yeah, it's a funny one on Kofu. I mean, it seemed like this was going to be, after winning the Empress Cup last year, you know, this was everything was suddenly turning to gold, wasn't it? They were rising up the J2 table this year. They were going to kind of sneak into the playoffs. And the ACL has gone, um, I have to be honest, way, way better than I expected. I, I thought they might have one point after four games and be yeah. sort of like uh, already out, but they, it looks like they, I've got a feeling they're going to end up in the knockout stage. Um, yeah. I think they only win one more win. If they can win against Melbourne uh, in the next game at home, they'll, they'll probably go to the knockout stage. So they will might take that as being like, okay, we're on our Asian adventure and uh, we mm. just didn't quite make the playoffs. They haven't quite convinced me this season. Um, I think I wouldn't have been surprised to see them finish in the playoffs, but I would have been amazed if they got through all the way to J1 and they, I don't think they look ready. Um, that might sound counterintuitive because they're doing very well in the ACL, but I think they 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 never really felt like a nailed on playoff team for me this year. And Yamagata also had a horrible start to the season, didn't they? Mm. And have ended up in fifth. So it, it has been a season of almost like a Lazarus style comebacks from quite a few teams to get into the top six this year. I think that's all added to the excitement. But you, you can't begrudge Yamagata. They uh, have a lot of quality in the team, and they they really really wanted to win this game and by hook or by crook. They, uh, they they managed it, yeah. So fair play to them. They uh, they go into the playoffs. Um, I think for the second year in a row, right? They were in, in the playoffs yeah. as well. That's, so um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point you made just then, actually, because you look at the teams in the playoffs. Like Shimizu, they started with seven draws. They started with, and they sacked their manager, mm. and then they would spend most of the year in the top two. Uh, Yamagata 
started badly and sacked their manager after five games and still didn't pick up for a while after that. Jeff, they were right down the bottom for a while. They stuck with their manager and they managed to finish sixth. So mm. pretty interesting the way things have worked out. Mm. So the, 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 the trick to getting into playoffs is just to basically piss away the first two months of the season change manager yeah. and then go on a massive run up the table and if you time it right you end to, up you don't yeah. have to change your manager but uh, apparently it doesn't help mm. it doesn't hurt mm. um, true yeah or you could uh, you could piss away the first two thirds of the season and then piss away the final third of the season and uh, mm. get relegated mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we, 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 uh, yeah, I think next week, James, we, we were just discussing in the, in the green room, we might do some kind of managerial merry-go-round chat mm-hmm. next week, um, as part of a kind of deeper playoff, uh, preview. But, um, yeah, Juan, uh, Juan S. Snyder available, you know, and Canazaro looking for someone, um, perhaps who plays a high line. So, um, yeah, that could be an interesting moment. I'm just, uh, being mischievous there, of course. So uh, yeah, never mind. But um, yeah, I think um, yeah, w- just what a fantastic final day, and I'd, I'd strongly recommend anybody um, if you haven't already, just check out the highlights of uh, of all the games from the weekend, really, because I think there was something to enjoy in each one. Obviously, we've talked about the games that had the big impact uh, right at the top end of the top end of the table, the automatic promotion and the playoffs. But um, I think. Um, I don't know if it's been a vintage season quality-wise in J2 because I have a really hard time personally comparing season to season. Um, But I think definitely in terms of entertainment, I can't remember having a final day where not only was there so much riding on it before kickoff, but it kind of lived up to the the hype in a way with having... You know the 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 league table at at um, four pm looked very different to to how it did at kickoff. So yeah, well 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 done to all involved. I think we can say and you know, congratulations to Iwata dramatically uh, getting automatic promotion right at the last. And uh, yeah, we, we'll see how the the playoffs go. I think James, there's no J two uh, football player football this weekend coming because the, the 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 teams get a week off to prepare for the playoffs, right? But we'll we'll just mention the fixtures now. But I think we'll get back together next week and do a sort of full on preview if that's if that's okay. Is is that what we agreed? I feel like that what that's what we talked about. I think uh, I think yeah. Okay, you're, you're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, okay, good. Yeah, sorry, bit of um, just peek behind the curtain there. Um, at the last. So um, uh, just as a reminder then for everybody, the playoff semi-finals uh, are coming up. The The first game is on Saturday, November the 25th. So a week on Saturday at 1pm, Shimizu will take on Yamagata at uh, Nihon Daira. And then the other game is going to be on Sunday, November 26th. That game at 3pm at Ajinomoto, Tokyo Verdi against Jeff Chiba. So uh, yeah, as, as a reminder as well, I think we have the same playoff format uh, that the J, uh, J2 players always had. That means the, the highest ranked team from the, the regular season is at home and they only need to draw to advance to the final, right? So Shimizu against Yamagata, Shimizu at home. If that game ends in a draw, Shimizu will advance. And that uh, same on Sunday, if Tokyo Verdi and Jeff draw, then uh, Verdi will go through and Jeff will go uh, out. So we'll, we'll see how those games uh, go. But James, we're going to give those a full uh, a full and proper uh, preview uh, when we get together next week, I think. So, um, oh yes, and the playoff final will be the following weekend, Saturday, December the 2nd. Uh, five past two is the very specific kickoff time that's listed on the J League website for that one. So 2.05 on Saturday, December the 2nd. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's very, very difficult to predict how these games are going to go. I guess that's kind of the point of the playoffs. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, James, you and I will get together uh, and discuss that at length, uh, well, at some length next week, if that's if that's okay, I think. Uh, James, anything else from the final day in J2 um, that we've missed or you wanted to mention before we, before we turn in? Uh, no, I just want to say uh, well done to us because we made it through 42 rounds of J2 and uh, it's been... It's been forty-two rounds of J two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I only, I only was uh, only caught COVID once this year because of exhaustion. So uh, that was a, that was a, yeah, not, not, not too bad, not too bad yeah. around. But yeah, fantastic season, and uh, yeah, maybe things will be easier next year with with twenty teams only. But um, I have yeah. a feeling we're going to be stretched just, just as thinly and under just as much pressure as we were this year, James. But uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for covering it all with me. It's been a, been a fantastic journey and it's not over yet because, yeah, we do have these um, pretty mouth-watering playoff semifinals coming up uh, and the final as well. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get together next week uh, for a, a preview of those. And uh, for now, uh, that's all for me and James from J2. But as ever, uh, please stay tuned because in, in a few moments after some music, Magic Mike Innes is going to be with you and uh, the J3 uh, promotion run-in is uh, heating up as well. He has all the latest on that for you in J Talk Short Corner. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading and supporting the podcast. And uh, yeah, please hang around because uh, Magic Mike Innes is next with J Talk Short Corner. J Talk Extra Time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 35 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 36 matches coming up this weekend. There were four games on Saturday the 11th, and the only place to start is alongside the 11,128 people at the Ninjineer Stadium, home of Ehime FC, who claimed the J3 2023 Championship thanks to their win over rivals FC Imabari. The nearest either side came to scoring in the first half was a Shunsuke Motegi free kick, which drew a flying save from Imabari keeper John Ander Serantes. But on 49 minutes, the decisive goal arrived, as Ehime's top scorer Riki Matsuda stole in front of visiting defender Ryota Ichihara to glance in the cross from Motegi, Matsuda taking a blow to the face for his trouble. A mix-up between home captain Sora Ogawa and keeper Shugo Tsuji almost allowed Marcus Vinicius to sneak an equaliser 13 minutes later, but the ball rolled just wide of the post. Deep into injury time, Imabari's Hikaru Arai sent a volley over the crossbar, and it was then the Mighty Mikans knew they were champions, confirmed when Tsuji hit the resulting goal kick upfield and referee Oriosuke Yamaoka blew the final whistle. Final score, Ehime won, Imabari nil. The title being won with three games to play underlines the Mighty Mikan's superior consistency throughout the course of the season, while Imabari seem to have thrown their chance away. Third at the start of October, a run of five defeats in seven games means they now stand ninth. 
It's Ehime's title then, but what about the race for the second promotion spot? That was a position occupied at start of play by Kagoshima United, but their hopes of a return to J2 suffered a blow when they went down to defeat at FC Ryukyu. There was an element of controversy to the result as Kagoshima forward Noriaki Fujimoto had a goal chalked off on 54 minutes when he appeared to have been kept onside by rookie defender Shusei Yamauchi. But two goals in five minutes around the hour mark did the damage. Smoking Volcano's captain Kenta Hirose failing to cut out a cross from Takayuki Takayasu and so allowing Kosei Okazawa a free header for 1-0. The entire back line caught ball watching as Sho Hiramatsu rushed to head in Katsuya Nakano's cross for the second. Rei Yonezawa brought two good saves out of homekeeper Danny Carvajal, but there was no way back into the game for the visitors. Final score, Ryukyu 2, Kagoshima 0. Kim Jong-song's team getting the better of his old club to climb to 15th. Yasumaki Oshima's Kagoshima make no progress towards promotion. Saturday drama at the top of the table then, but also in its lower reaches, where bottom side Giramans Kitakyushu in a single afternoon increased the number of goals they've scored throughout the whole season by 25%. The goal-shy Sunflowers, with the weakest attack in the division, were nevertheless two up inside eight minutes. Takumi Wakaya banging in the opener on the rebound after Kenta Tanno had blocked Ko Seung Jin's shot. Yuki Okada advancing into the box and beating Tanno at the near post for the second. Things got even better for Giravance moments later when Guruja's Kairi Shinbo was red-carded for what the referee presumably adjudged to be an over-aggressive shoulder charge on John Eboko, who was through on goal. The Paper Cranes did pull one back in the 21st minute, a Masashi Wada penalty awarded when Wada had hurled himself to the ground following modest contact from Kota Muramatsu. It was 3-1 by half-time, though, Munamatsu sending in the cross, Kaur glancing home the header. And four minutes after the restart, the same combination met with further success. Munamatsu racing unchallenged down the right, his low cross converted by Kaur from close range. Still two more goals to go. In the 73rd minute, Taiga Mayakawa made it 5-1, a spectacular finish at the far post after Takaya Inui had headed Ryuki Hirahara's free kick back across goal. And finally, with 10 minutes left, another low ball into the box from Muramatsu, aiming for Yuki Nakayama, but sent into his own net by Guruja's Kentaro Kai. Final score, Kitakyushu 6, Iwate 1. Gidamance's biggest league win since 2016, when they won by the same scoreline at Roasso Kumamoto. The first time this season any team has scored 6 in a J3 game. They do, however, remain last. Gruja sleepwalked through this one and they drop to 13th. 
And in mid-table, Azul Claro Numazu came away from YSCC Yokohama with maximum points. The only goal of the game coming seven minutes before half-time. A wayward kick by YSCC keeper Jun Kodama, headed back by Azul Claro's Akira Osako for Noah Kenshin-Brown, who was given time to receive the ball and strike it home from just inside the box. The home side rarely threatened, although Ryotaro Yamamoto did curl a shot against the outside of the post with four minutes remaining. Final score, YSCC nil, Numazu 1. The Kanagawa Seagulls slip to 12th. Azul Claro, three points and four places better off in 8th. Six games then on Sunday the 12th. And all eyes were on Katane Toyama, who, following Kagoshima's loss, knew that if they could win at home to Nara Club, they'd move up to second in the standings. As anyone familiar with J3 will be unsurprised to learn, Toyama duly responded to this mixture of pressure and opportunity by losing both their nerve and the match. Katare might have had slightly the better of the first half, but they went in at the break 1-0 down. Defender Ryuya Ohata trying to play the ball forwards to Arthur Silva, only for Sotaro Yamamoto to steal possession for the visitors. Tatsuma Sakai sending the loose ball arcing into the net from the halfway line. An incredible piece of improvisation, brilliantly executed by Sakai for his eighth of the season. On 56 minutes, it was 2-0. Sakai's surging run down the left, taking him into the area where he got away from Ohata and crossed low for Shota Yomesaka to finish at the near post. Katare tried to press forward, but the only time Nana keeper Arnaud was called into serious action was an alert block from Takumi Ito's left foot shot. Final score, Toyama nil, Nara two, meaning Katane stayed third. Two points behind Kagoshima with a significantly inferior goal difference, while Nara climb two places to sixth. So given neither Toyama nor Kagoshima could pick up any points, the coast was clear for the teams immediately below them to boost their chances of a top two finish. Matsumoto Yamaga at least managed a draw from their trip to Fukushima United. Veteran striker Kazuma Watanabe put Matsumoto in front just before half-time. A neat hooked finish after Yuta Taki had flicked on So Fujitani's cross. But in the second half, the home team twice hit the woodwork through Uheiji Uehata and some last-ditch defending from Matsumoto's Leon Nozawa. And they equalised with 10 minutes left. Hiroki Higuchi scoring from the spot after Kaiga Murakoshi had brought down Hiroshi Yoshinaga. Indeed, Fukushima almost grabbed the win in injury time when Kosuke Tanaka's cross drifted untouched onto the far post. Final score, Fukushima 1, Matsumoto 1. The home side stay 16th. The point for Yamaga means they move up one place to fourth. Five points behind second place Kagoshima. And they move up one place to fourth because Matsumoto have overtaken FC Osaka, who travelled to SC Sagamihara 
and suffered their heaviest defeat of the season. After a goalless first half, Sagamihara sounded a warning shot in the 52nd minute when Ko Watahiki had a strike headed off the line by Shunsuke Tachino. And Osaka's collapse, not too strong a word, started 13 minutes later. Defender Ryusei Saito falling victim to the high press of the home side, for whom Shunji Masada got in a shot, parried by Tatsunari Nagai, blasted in on the rebound by Riku Hashimoto. Two minutes later, it was 2-0. The visitors losing possession in midfield, leading to Takumu Fujinuma and Tsubasa Ando, combining to set up Watahiki, who scored from close range. And soon afterwards, Watahiki's corner kick was headed on by Daisuke Kato for Masuda to jab it in under the crossbar. The fourth will cause particular angst to the Osaka defence, Saito and Takeru Itakura getting themselves into all sorts of trouble trying to deal with Hashimoto's cross, enabling Taira Maeda to flick it over the line for his first J-League goal. And on 81 minutes, Maeda won the ball in midfield and moved forward, firing in a shot that was blocked by Nagai but fell straight to Masada, who hammered it in at the near post. Final score, Sagami had a 5 Osaka nil, equalling the Green and Black's best ever J-League win, and they move up to 18th, out of the bottom two for the first time since round seven. For Osaka, a win here would have put them three points off the top two. As it is, they slip to fifth, six points off the pace. Still plenty of goals to come this week, and with that in mind, next stop, Tegevajaro Miyazaki for their home game against Vanrare Hachinohe. Five in the last ten minutes of this one, although earlier on, Hachinohe took a ninth-minute lead through Kodai Minoda, dispatching a free header from Riku Yamauchi's in-swinging corner. And Miyazaki drew level just before half-time, Ryohei Yamazaki holding off the challenge of both Minoda and Tepe Chikaishi and driving a low shot just inside the post. Pausing only to mention that the visitors Naoya Senoo hit the woodwork following a mazy run down the left, we'll fast forward to the 80th minute when Van Rare went back in front. A quick counter-attack concluded when Daisuke Inazumi crossed from the left for Koki Maezawa to bundle it over the line. The Greens' lead this time lasted only four minutes, the home side tying things up when Daisuke Ishizu's low shot deflected off Chikaishi and rolled past a wrong-footed Yusuke Taniguchi for 2-2 and Tegevajaro went in front for the first time with 88 minutes on the clock, Kazuma Nagata having his shot blocked only for Taishi Nishioka to fire in through a crowd of players. That advantage lasted a matter of seconds, Van Rane making it 3-3 when Minoda floated in a high ball, which bounced off Nagata's head across goal, scrambled in by Maezawa. Then, in the fourth minute of stoppage time in this breathless game, the away side attacked down the left, 
Inazumi hit the byline and sent in a cross that Kai Sasaki glanced in with a beautiful header. Jubilation for the eight travelling fans behind the goal. Final score, Miyazaki 3, Hachinohe 4. Tegevajano slip into the bottom two. Van Rane climb to 11th. And AC Nagano Parseiro scored three for the third week running to win at Gainare Totori. Nagano took an early lead when Hinata Konishi was brought down in the area by Mun Inju. Takashi Kondo calmly slotting in the resulting penalty. The home side's equaliser 10 minutes before the break illuminated the whole weekend with its quality. A magnificent team move rounded off when Taku Ushinohama threaded a pass through for Atsuki Tojo to finish in off the post. A second of the season for rookie Tojo. He almost repeated the trick two minutes later, but keeper Kim Minho was alert to the danger and got down to make the save. But Gainare were ahead by half-time, Tojo slicing open the Parseiro defence for Ryosuke Tamura to beat Kim from 15 yards. Not that the hosts were able to hold on to the lead for long, as early in the second half they couldn't stop Kondo and Hiroki Yamamoto combining to set up Konishi for a volleyed finish. The game stayed at 2-2 until the closing stages, Tamura then hitting the bar for the hosts when he was through on goal. Nagano under Riki Takagi have definitely not solved their defensive problems, but with three minutes left, it was Takagi's team that stole the win. Kondo's shot deflecting off Hiroto Sese and beyond Koshiro Itohara. Final score, Totori 2, Nagano 3. On their day, Gainare are still among the most fun teams in the division to watch, but that's Four without a win now, and they drop to 10th. Parseido consolidate in 14th. And finally, FC Gifu emerged with maximum points from their game at home to Kamatamari Sanuki. Kamatamari almost took an early lead through Iki Kawasaki, whose high ball into the box ended up crashing against the bar. And Gifu only showed as an attacking force in the second half, getting the only goal on 52 minutes. Tomoya Ugajin switching the play for Ryo Kubota to set up Hirofumi Yamauchi, who turned into space and lashed it into the roof of the net. The Noodle Boys had the chance to level things up when Soshi Iwagishi was brought down in the box by Ryu Kawakami, but Hayato Hasegawa's penalty was far too close to Cholhuan Ono, who made the save. Final score, Gifu 1, Senuki 0. Yusaku Ueno's team are back up to 7th. Atsushi Yonayama's Kamatamari equaling their lowest position of the season in 17th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 35. The top six are Ehime with 70 points, Kagoshima with 58, Toyama 56, Matsumoto 53, Osaka 52, Nara 51. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Ryukyu with 42 points, Fukushima and Seneki with 40, Sagamihara 39, Miyazaki 37, 
And bottom of the table now with 27, Kitakyushu. Three games left, and as mentioned earlier, Ehime returned to J2, but in classic J3 style, this week's action has clarified who will be joining them not at all. Despite their loss at Ryukyu, Kagoshima stay second, and so must be considered in the driving seat. But mathematically, half the teams in the division are still in contention, all the way down to Hachinohe in 11th. Everything to play for in the remaining weeks of the season. Down at the bottom, the win for Sagamihara means Kitakyushu are now certain to finish last. Following the weekend's JFL games, it's still looking likely there will be no promotion or relegation between the two leagues. That's because Honda FC have been confirmed as champions and Sony Sendai remain second. The best-placed club with a J3 licence are still Leilak Shiga in third, four points behind Sony Sendai with three games to go. Shiga's circumstance could be rather better, but in Sunday's match at bottom-placed Okinawa SV, they conceded a 95th-minute equaliser to drop two crucial points. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 36 J3 fixtures this weekend when there are three games on Saturday the 18th. Three teams with distant hopes of a top two finish are all at home. Matsumoto against YSCC, Osaka against Miyazaki, Nana against Sagamihara. Seven games then on Sunday the 19th. Champions Ehime make the trip to struggling Fukushima. Their nearest challenges are away to Kagoshima at Imabari, Toyama at Hachinohe. Elsewhere, Gifu head to Iwate, Numazu take on Sanuki, Totori are at home to Ryukyu, and finally, Nagano host Kitakyushu. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.